But I want to just speak just, just for a short time on, from John 15. And we're going to just read a couple of verses from verse 12. And it says this. It's John 15, verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Now, this word love is, is often used so flippantly. We can say, I love maybe so easily, as soon as maybe you, someone gets a new boy or girlfriend, they immediately seem to be in love, and then they fall out of love again. They find somebody else always, only to fall back in love again. And is that really love? And then we say, I love chips, or I love chocolate, or I love my dog. And then in the same breath, we say, I love my wife or my husband. And it doesn't seem that flattering, really, does it? But also perhaps explains why so many people struggle to know what real love is. And then we come back into God's word and we wonder, what does Jesus mean when he tells us that we are to love one another? Now don't miss how important this is. It's so important that Jesus repeats it time and again. And, and if this was important to Jesus, well, it, it should be important to us as well. So how should we love each other? The answer, I think, as he has loved us. But to understand this answer, we need to understand Jesus' love because his love shows who he really is. And therefore, when this same love is lived out by his followers, it should show really are. So just some little thoughts on this. First thing is this, that love is generous and it is sacrificial. Have, have you ever watched a man wandering around lost and confused in the women's section of the department store? Now you can easily spot him. He, he's standing there motionless in an aisle, sweats breaking on his forehead. He, he, he just has this look of fear in his eyes. His normal habitat is among the appliances and on the technology, but now he's standing on the edge of the woman's clothing or the, the perfume, and worst of all, the laundry area, and the sweat rings are beginning to show under his armpits, and he, he's almost frozen spot. I have been that. See, before, before Rachel and I got married, I, I, bought, I used to buy perfume for her every year for her birthday. And, and then after I got, after we got married, I thought, you know, I need to be a little bit more creative and buy something maybe a little bit more thoughtful for my beautiful wife. So I asked some of the people I worked with if they had any ideas. They said, buy her something personal. Maybe how about some nice lingerie? 
I thought I can do that right up to the moment that I got to the age of the laundry department and then I froze. It it was like there was this invisible wall in front of me. I I could feel the beads of sweat beginning to trickle down my face. I I felt so self-conscious. I I began to look around thinking everybody else is just watching me and I, I took the only option that I thought was available to me in that moment. I walked away. Felt dizzy. Slightly faint. I, I just, I just couldn't do it. it. I was in an alien world. I simply wasn't brave enough to enter it. And all I wanted was a gift. So I walked straight over to the perfume counter. My voice, my voice, still just a little bit shaky, and I uttered the only words that I knew. Do you do Chanel? (laughs) I didn't care how much it cost. The alternative was just so much worse. (laughs) See, the things that we do to get gifts for those that we love. Now, the thing is that we are at our very, very best when we are giving. In fact, even the most selfish of us are actually willing to be generous and loving despite our greed. And, but yet, how much more does Jesus, the pure and the perfect Son of God, love to give gifts to us? You see, true love is sacrificial. It is outrageous, just generosity. And, and, And no love has or ever will be as sacrificial as the gift that Jesus Christ gave. A gift that reveals the very heart of God. God's good and God's generous heart to us. James 1.17 Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variance or shadow due to change. Now, there are some in this world who are actually willing to suffer for the sake of others, but, but Jesus has done something even greater. He was willing to bear the unimaginable painful suffering, a suffering that you deserved. See, there's so much about him that reveals his love, but no gift reveals his love more than the gifts of the cross where he was cut off from the love of his father. Jesus hung on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, abandoned by his friends, destroyed by his enemies. He experienced the wrath of God and and the judgment for our sin. There is no greater love. And as you have hopefully taken time this Easter season to search the scene of the cross, I wonder what did you find? The nails the thorns, the whipping, a wine-soaked sponge, a mocking sign, divine gives that should just really stir our hearts to cry, you did this for me. Did he really do all of this for me? Yes, he did it just for you. This is true sacrificial love. This is Jesus. And right from the beginning of the Old Testament, God has always commanded his people to love each other. As a result of the cross, this love comes with a new freshness because of the unique 
love of Jesus for us. That's why Jesus describes it here as a new commandment. This greater love, this perfect gift, it is it, what will, what should actually fuel our and having been loved by Jesus in this extraordinary, in this unpredictable way, we are to love one another in the same way. So the love that we are to show is a love that we have already received from Jesus through his spirit. John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Jesus promised that this is the way that we will prove to the watching world that we belong to him. The love we share will be undeniable. It is supernatural in origin. There will be, there will be no other way of accounting for it other than of the truth of Jesus. And, and there is no limit to the promise is good for all contexts at all times for every generation into every single culture this is birthed by the holy spirit it is the work of the spirit but it is also worked out in community you cannot obey this command if you are isolated. You need to be part of the Christian community. This sacrificial love will only be seen, it will only grow if you are around people who sometimes are difficult, who can be occasionally challenging, but mostly are absolutely lovely. Welcome to church. The second thing, not only is love sacrificial and generous, it's it's consistent. See, we all need proper friends in life, and, and Jesus is the truest friend of all. Proverbs 17, 17 reminds us that a friend loves at all times. Good friends are consistent. They remain friends in good times, in bad times. They, they always stick around. They're not just there because you're useful to them. They're always honest and to say hard, hard truths, even if it's uncomfortable. Listen, you'll guard what you say to others, but you're completely open with a friend. One said that a true friend is someone who always lets you in and never lets you down. This is why we need friends so much. But even our best friends can let us down at times, which is why the Christian, the believer, realizes that there is no greater friend than Jesus unto us everything the Father has taught him. This is just a level of extraordinary openness. The message that John really wants us to understand is that Jesus is the ultimate friend. He sets the example. He's the model that we model ourselves upon. He proves this ultimate friendship in a number of ways. He is consistent. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is truthful. He tells you what you are truly like through the work of his spirit. But the greatest demonstration of friendship is this laying down of his life for you. He is the friend who perfectly measures up to every yardstick for friendship in all of scripture. Now, most of us have many acquaintances, but very few friends. And as I've already said, even some people that you think 
are, think of as friends can often prove to be unfriendly or unfaithful, and, and even our devoted friends may fail us in a moment of need. Now, of course, Jesus knows all about this. See, Peter, James, and John fell asleep in the garden when they should have been praying with him. Peter went on to deny Jesus three times. The rest of the disciples, they are nowhere to be seen. But even though our friendships to each other and to Jesus are not perfect, however, you need to understand the perfect. Yet despite our failings, Jesus still commands the disciples and therefore commands us to love one another. But this raises an interesting question. You see, can true love be commanded? What if I don't feel like it? What, you know, I'm just not in the mood today. I can't really be bothered. Look, Christian, Christian love is not about feelings. It's an act of the will. The proof of our love is not in our feelings, but in our actions. And even to the extent of laying down our lives for Jesus and for others, this is how you will know what love is. It reminds us in 1 John 3:16, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It goes on. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Remember, Jesus is not asking us to do something that he has not already done. Jesus laid down his life for both his friends and for his enemies. And, and while emotions are certainly involved in this, real Christian love is a choice that you make. A decision of the heart and of the mind, a command to follow, it simply it simply means treating people the way that God has treated you. Third thought is this, that love is humble. One of the greatest privileges of being a friend of God, and that's what you are if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a friend of God. One of the greatest privileges of being a friend of God is that you will learn to know God better, and you will get in on God's secrets. See, Every one of us can be as close to God as you, as you choose to be. We are his friends and we should, we should be near his throne, listening to his voice, enjoying his intimacy, obeying his commands. But you need also to remember that you have this privileged position only because of Jesus. It's only because he, you, you have not chosen him. He chose you. And you've been graciously chosen. You've been appointed. You've been set apart by Jesus in order to go into this world and to bear fruit. And Jesus uses the illustration earlier on in this chapter of the vine to explain this. And like a vine tree, everything you have comes through being the branch that is connected into the vine. You share his life, his love, you share his you're called to be his personal ambassador to tell people about the king and his great branches. You are pruned by the father as friends. You're instructed by the son and the spirit controls your life as you submit to him. And the evidence of true sonship, of discipleship, of friendship is fruit. The seed so this process goes on and on. It should grow and grow. 
whatever is born of the Spirit has the mark of eternity in it, and it will last. But being a friend of the King is a humbling experience. He, cho- he chooses, He leads, you follow. And we must, we must keep this in mind. Lest we become proud or presumptuous, you you need to keep your ears open and and listen to everything that he is saying. Psalm 25 verse 14 tells us, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. So you must be attentive and alert, but the purpose of all of this is that you obey, that you get the job done. Listen, King Jesus has a task that needs to be done. If you love him, you will obey his commandments. And your joy, your joy should be to please him. So you will seek to bear fruit that will last and bring glory to the Father. And this fruit What hope do we have of of loving the lost men and women of this world? If we're not walking together as friends of the king, we will never present a united front against the enemy. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. The truth is that without Jesus, we are paralyzed, fearful, ineffective. The The friend of the king must not just love him, but also love one another. And what joy it brings to Jesus to see us loving one another and working together to obey his commandments. If you abide in him, if you stay close to the throne of God, you will do anything that he commands you to do. And what a privilege. What a responsibility. Jesus says, this is my command. Love each other. Lord, we need your help in this. (laughs) We need you, Lord, to, by your Spirit, Lord, to work within us, work within our hearts to soften them at times. But we need to step and to walk in step with you, that may we love you, and love each other. So Lord, we do open our hearts today. Lord, may your word change them. Lord, may we be open to receive by your spirit, Lord God, just that prompting, that enabling, that challenge at times to love as we ought to, to serve you and to serve one another to be even to be willing to lay down our life as you have gone before us. So we give you glory, we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen.